Awesome. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Thank you, worship team. You guys are awesome. Why don't we give them a round of applause as well? Well, I've got to tell you, it's an absolute thrill for me to be here today. And uh, I think uh, the first time I'd preached at Emerge Church was back in 2006. Uh, and that sort of thing I've preached many times over the years. But I've never had the opportunity to preach at Morayfield. Uh, and so it's a real bucket list item for me today. Uh, and it's so good to see all that God is doing here. And I know that uh, we'll be uh, streaming in right now to Warner and also to Redcliffe as well. And just to see all God is doing in this mighty church is just amazing. I want to thank Pastor Mark and Nina uh, for inviting me to come along. And um, I've been getting messages from Pastor Mark, and uh, which have been incredibly encouraging. And we're praying for him. And uh, yeah, it's just wonderful. Great friends of mine. And uh, serve alongside Pastor Mark. Uh, in our movement in our state and he's just such a great blessing and great friend so such a thrill to be here uh, so many familiar faces and that sort of thing so it's wonderful uh, the last time I was trying to think the last time uh, I preached at Emerge Church and I think it was about oh, eight years ago or something like that and so uh, there's uh, a lot has changed in my life since then uh, I, uh, I used to I've moved location actually I, I used to live uh, in a suburb of Ipswich uh, called Goodner uh, and, uh, and now I live on the Gold Coast, uh, and so very different, uh, you know, there are a few cultural differences uh, between Goodna and the Gold Coast and that sort of thing. Uh, one of the things I've really noticed actually is how seriously people on the Gold Coast take their health and fitness. Um, you know, I don't live too far from Burley Beach and uh, you can go there 4.30 in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, there's people there exercising, uh, there's people running, lots of people running. Uh, when I lived in Goodna, um, I didn't see many people running uh, unless I run in from someone, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, very, very different. Uh, I remember actually, uh, actually Gold Coast reminds me a little bit of Townsville actually. Townsville, uh, you know, the people take their health and fitness very seriously up there. Uh, and uh, I think it's because uh, they've got the armed forces based up there. Uh, and so, a lot of people in the army and that sort of thing. And you can always tell... Uh, if someone's in the army, you know, just by looking at them, uh, you know, they've got this kind of lean physique and that sort of thing. Uh, remember one time I actually went, uh, I got an aeroplane flying to Townsville and I sat next to a guy and I thought to myself, sheesh, this guy, he looks like he's in the army. Uh, so I said to him, I said, hey, um, mate, are you in the army? He said, yeah, how can you tell? I said, well, look at you. I said, you, look at you, your physique, you look like you're in the army. And he said to me, he goes, are you? And uh, I, I said, oh, do I look like I'm in the army? And he said, oh, well, you know, you've got a bit of lazy muscle. Uh, so anyway, it's wonderful to be here today. Praise God. And I'm um, looking forward to uh, sharing the word of God with you this morning and, and also tonight. And, and I'm going to read to you today a very well-known verse in Scripture. In fact, I'm sure some of you have this verse on your Bible cover or on a fridge magnet on your fridge. Uh, but it's Romans chapter 8 verse 28, Romans 8, verse 28, and it says this, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I'll read that again. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. The title of my message today is, It's All Good. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I ask and pray that you would fill every single person in the life of this church filled with the hope and confidence that's available in you. I thank you and I praise you for that, Lord. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. That's written by the Apostle Paul and it's writing to the church in Rome. If you know anything about being a Christian in Rome, it's not a very pleasant experience. Have you ever heard of the Christians being fed to the lions? That was in Rome. And he writes to these people and he says, and we know, (laughs) don't we church? And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. If I was one of those people in church in Rome, I'd be saying, actually, Paul, not sure that I do know. If you knew everything that was, going, that was happening in my life right now, if you knew everything I was going through, how could you possibly say that all things work together for good? And not only that, what things? Surely not everything works together for my good. Maybe you're in a situation like that right now. Maybe in 2023 you've had a very difficult season and you're struggling to see how God can work all things together for your good. And maybe you're sitting there as well and saying, Ben, what things? Surely not everything works together for my good. Well, I want to talk to you today about four things that work together for your good that you don't even realise. Four things that work together for your good that maybe you think, how could God possibly bring good out of this in my life? And so I want to talk to you today about four things that work together for your good that may not even make sense to you. The first thing that works together for your good is dumb things. Dumb things. He says all things work together for good. He doesn't say only the right decisions that you make. Those are the things that work together for your good. No, no, no. He says all things. Even some of the dumb mistakes we make, God can still turn around and work together for good. It doesn't say here that you've got to make every decision right. It doesn't say here that you've got to be perfect in in order for all things to work together for your good. God knows we make mistakes. God knows we make some bad decisions. God knows we make some errors of judgment. But he still says all things work together for your good. Why? Because he's a gracious God. And he's a God that can turn all things around. I love the story about the prophet Elisha. Elisha was by the uh, River Jordan and there were some men then and they were cutting down some wood with axes. And as one of the guys was cutting down some wood, the axe head flew off and landed in the middle of the River Jordan. He comes up to Elisha and he says, Alas, my Lord, the axe, it's borrowed. Elisha doesn't say to him, well, that's your fault, mate. Where were you during the safety induction? We told you how to tie it off. That's your problem. You've got to fix it. But he doesn't say that. He says, where did it land? He showed him. He grabbed a branch, threw it in the middle of the River Jordan. The branch rep- represents the cross of Christ. It doesn't matter how low, low you've sunk. He can resurrect it again. Amen. And so he grabbed and threw it into the middle of the River Jordan and the axe head floated and he kept on moving. Even some of the mistakes we make, God can work together for good. I'm, believe, I'm a firm believer that some of the decisions we make and the wrong turns we take, they don't have to be a dead end, they can simply be detours. A number of years ago, I lost uh, my licence, driver's licence, and I'd love to say it was because I was a petrol head, uh, uh, but it's not, uh, basically. In fact, my wife says I drive so slow, she calls me driving Miss Daisy, you know. And, um, and so it wasn't because of that, it's because I'm absent-minded. Uh, and so, you know, you know when you change... Um, you know, into different, uh, to, you know, speed zones and that sort of thing. I wasn't always fully aware when that happens. And, you know, my wife, she drives way faster than me, uh, but she grew up in a family that was always looking out for the police. So she can always see well ahead 
where the speed cameras are and that sort of thing. And, you know, she'll often say to me, watch out, there's a flash for cash down the road. And, you know, I wasn't, didn't grow up like that. I grew up in a law-abiding family, you know, without fear of the law. But anyway, I ended up losing uh, my licence. And so when I got my licence back, I thought what I need to do is uh, get a sat-nav. Now, this is before Apple CarPlay and that sort of thing. And so bought myself the old sat-nav, you know, your stick on the, on the windscreen. And, and the reason why I got that was because it would tell me uh, whenever the speed would actually change. And, you know, we've all used a sat-nav, uh, you know, from time to time. And you know how it works. You punch in your destination. And as you punch in the destination, uh, it tells you where to go. Uh, and so, you know, it says, turn left in uh, 500 metres. Uh, in fact, on the way here today, I actually missed the turn. Uh, it told me to turn left and I didn't realise it was into the car park here. I went to the next road. And when I did that, I turned left in the next road and I missed the turn off. Uh, the sat-nav didn't say to me, oh, well, you wouldn't listen to me, now you're on your own. <laughs> what did it say? It started rerouting. So you turn left, do a U-turn, come back around. You know, if you take the sat-nav and it says, you know, and you miss it, just reroutes, turn left in 500 metres. If you don't do that, it says, okay, then turn left again and it'll keep rerouting you on your destiny. It's just a detour, not a dead end. Some of us here, I'm sure all of us here have made some bad decisions. All of us here have made some decisions whereby we made a wrong turn, but I want to let you know God will never leave you or forsake you. And just because you made a bad decision and you've gone the wrong way does not mean God has abandoned you. And for some people, they're living under condemnation because you made a stupid mistake like the rest of us have. And the devil's come to you and said, well, it's too late. You've blown it. You missed your destiny. I want to let you know that Romans 8.28 says this. All things work together for good. For those who love God who are called according to his purpose. Even some of the dumb mistakes we make, God can work it together for our good. The second thing that God works together for good is bad things bad things. It says all things work together for good. It doesn't say that everything that you experience is good. It says all things work together for good. Sometimes people don't understand that. They think, okay, everything I experience in my life has got to be good. That's not the promise there. The promise is all things work together for good. What does that mean? Even some of the bitter things you've been through, even some of the disappointing things you've been through, God can still work it together for good. Individual experiences might be bad, but God can work that whole thing together for good. A number of years ago, um, my wife finished work because we started um, having kids and that sort of thing, and, and, um, and her favourite hobby then was baking. Uh, and so she would bake every day. Uh, and, you know, I'm uh, half Tongan, half Australian, right? Uh, and I know we've got some Tong- might have some Tongans in here, uh, definitely doing Deception Bay. Uh, and, um, and, you know, like, when, you know, when you're tongue and you like eating. And so uh, I remember my wife would just be baking every day and uh, she'd be making brownies, uh, muffins, cookies, and I'll come home. Oh, great. Start eating them. Uh, and then after a couple months, she'll say, hey, uh, you know, you put on a bit of weight. And I said, well, that's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, if you don't want me to put on weight, don't bake the cookies. Uh, and then she says uh, the dumbest thing you can ever say to a Tongan, uh, or you don't have to eat it. <laughs> you make it, and of course I'm going to eat it. And I could always tell when she's going to make the cookies because she starts lining up all the ingredients on the counter. The sugar, the butter, the flour, the cocoa, the milk. She starts lining it up. And I have great anticipation of what she's going to cook. But here's the thing, as much as I love it, 
I always wait till she combines the ingredients before I eat it. It's not like I come home and say, oh, you're baking, great. Crack an egg. <laughs> Have some flour. Drink some milk. No, no, by himself it's not nice. Work it together and it actually tastes really nice. Amen? For some of you, some of the things you went through in 2023 was not nice. I want to let you know that God can still work that together for good and produce good things out of it. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5 says this. We glory in tribulation. What kind of fool would glory in tribulation? Because tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance character and character hope. And then it says, and hope does not disappoint. That phrase does not disappoint is a double negative. It means hope appoints. What does that mean? It means you're now ready for the divine appointment that God actually has for your life. And it comes about by going through some of the tough times. Look at the people in Scripture that God used mightily that went through some tough times. Those tough times are part of the way that we develop the character and the attitude necessary to handle everything that God has for us. That's why sometimes we should thank God for some of those difficult seasons because it prepares us for things that are even greater that are actually going to come to pass because God has great things in our future. A number of years ago, our house got flooded in the Brisbane floods uh, in 2011. And uh, we bought it, the house about 14 months before that. And when we first bought the house in the backyard, uh, we had, it had a bit, you know, it was about a quarter acre block and, and we had um, all these um, fruit trees out the back. And, and one of the trees we had out there was a lemon tree. And um, I'm not much of a gardener, anything like that. And this lemon tree, I don't even want to call it a lemon tree. Uh, it was more like a lemon shrub, you know, like it was about this high. And the lemons were like small and pitiful. And, you know, it used to frustrate me. And I'd go to the lemon tree and they weren't growing and, you know, I felt like doing what Jesus did with the fig tree, you know. Uh, Grow lemons or die, you know. It was, and uh, anyway, uh, that happened and then, uh, you know, 2011, the flood came through and, you know, it was, uh, went, we had a double-storey house by the banks of the Brisbane River and went a metre and a half through our second storey and, and, you know, and that water was disgusting. Like, it was so bad. I mean, the number one thing I remember... Uh, after that flood, and you know, all floods are the same, is the smell. Uh, the stench was just terrible. I had one pair of clothes that I would wear every day and wash every night uh, for about a week, and then at the end I just threw them out because you just couldn't get the stench out of it. Uh, that water was toxic. Uh, it destroyed everything. Uh, you know, people actually went to hospital because if the water got any cut, you'd get a bacterial infection. A lot of people got very sick from it. And that water came through, second story of our house, destroyed our house and destroyed our yard and wiped everything out. Um, for a few months after the flood, um, because, you know, all of a sudden the grass grows so quick, I, 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 didn't, I just focused on rebuilding the house and, and I didn't go out into the backyard uh, because the grass grew so long, I, I, I thought, oh, I've got someone else to mow it because um, I, I knew there'd be snakes out there. So, uh, I, so I didn't go out there. And I didn't spend any time in the yard, really, for about nine, ten months, and just focusing on rebuilding the house. And, and one day, my wife and I, it's a high-set house, a Queenslander, on the back, we stood on the back porch on the second storey, and we're entering the house from there, and my wife said to me, she said, Ben, check out the lemon tree. I turned around. The lemon tree had doubled in size, and it was pumping out the biggest, fattest lemons <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. And I thought to myself, how did that happen? 
And I realised, oh, that water, that dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking water that destroyed everything else for that lemon tree was fertiliser. And the very thing it needed to fulfil its potential. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but the word of the Lord to you is this. All the filth you've been through is nothing but fertiliser. And the very thing God is going to use to help you to fulfil your potential. All things work together for good. Not just everything, little individual experience is good. All things work together for good. For those who love God who are called according to his purpose. The third thing that works together for our good is meaningless things. Meaningless things. It says, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. So that's the only caveat on this verse. It doesn't say all things work together for good automatically for every person. It doesn't say that. It says all things work together for good for those who love God. So this promise is available to all of those who love God. Now the question is, how do you know that you love God? What's the criteria? Well, Jesus says uh, in John 14, 23, he says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my commands. So what is the sign that we actually love God? It's obedience. It's obedience to him. That's how you know that you love God. And so if you're someone that loves God, you would live a life that's a life of obedience to him. But who knows that if you live a life that's in obedience to God, that there are times when you're only doing things out of obedience, that you're not even sure why you're actually doing it. Has everyone, anyone had that happen in their life? That you're doing something and the only reason you're doing it is because God has asked you to do it and you're doing it because you love him. And there are times and seasons when you do that, when you feel like it doesn't make sense. Why am I even doing this? I can't see why I'm here. This is like a waste of time. But God can even you turn those things around and work them together for good. A number of years ago, I went on staff uh, at a church uh, to start a Bible college in Brisbane. Uh, and so I went on staff at this church. And, and basically, the church was a multi-site church, like your church, at different locations. And some of those locations were basically ones which we call bump in, bump out. So you've got a so Sunday rental, you've got to set up each week and that sort of thing. And so they used to have all the equipment for that location in the back of a truck. Uh, and so every week at church, for church, uh, the truck driver had to take that truck uh, down to the location about 6.30 in the morning. They'd get there, they'd set up, and then afterwards pack it up, put it back in the truck. Now, to drive that truck, you needed uh, a light, rigid licence. And fortunately for me, uh, I didn't have one. Uh, and so I wasn't put on the roster to drive that truck. And, you know, I was quite happy with that, to be perfectly honest. You know, I didn't come to join that church to drive no truck. Uh, I came to start. I'm a Bible college principal. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm there to preach the word. I'm not there to, you know, worry about that sort of stuff. And, and then the guys who were on roster started getting a little bit antsy. Uh, you know, they were pretty upset that some of us didn't have our licence and so they brought it up at staff meeting uh, with our senior pastor, Pastor Paul, and they said, uh, you know, uh, how, come we've got to, how come the other guys don't have to drive the truck? Why don't they have their licence? How come Ben doesn't have his licence? And I remember sitting there saying, would you just be quiet, you know, like, uh, you know, serve the Lord with gladness, you know, and, um, and then eventually Pastor Paul said, you know what, you're right. Everyone should get their licence. I thought, oh, great. And so... For whatever reason, 
I, I, they gave me lessons straight away. Uh, and, uh, and as soon as I got my licence, I seemed to be on almost every week driving that truck. And, uh, you know, it was so annoying. I was going to get up earlier. I was living in a suburb of Ipswich called Springfield Lakes and the location where we were bumping in was over at Cleveland in Redlands. And, and so I'm doing that. And, you know, I remember at the time and, and I noticed some other guys joined team and they weren't on uh, the roster. And so I mentioned at staff meeting, uh, you know, how come these guys don't have to go on the roster? Uh, and that sort of thing. And, and so I was doing it and you're just driving the truck every week. And, you know, it really annoyed me so much uh, that eventually I got out of it um, by resigning. So I resigned and, um, and I was thinking, that's great. That was a total waste of my time. You know, why would I even doing that? You know, all the other stuff I was doing was more important, not that. And, and then I started being an itinerant travelling minister for a few years, which was great. Didn't have to go to church at 6am. Could get there five minutes before the service. And that was nice. And I was doing that and then one day I noticed a friend of mine on Facebook, he was advertising for someone to do some delivery driving for them that week. Um, he ran a, 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 ran a company that would distribute uh, food to daycare centres uh, and that sort of thing. And so they said, you know, the, the, the depot was five minutes from where I lived and the week they were looking for someone was a week I was actually home. And I thought, oh, I might be able to do that. And they said, you need to be able to drive a manual. So I just knew there was so many millennials not available for that job. <laughs> and so I just, um, and so I rang him up. I said, hey, Ray, I can, I can do this for you. He said, oh, great. No worries. Come and meet me at the depot. And so I went to the depot uh, on the Monday. It was had to be there by 5 a.m. And I got there and he said, oh, listen, here's the route where you're going to be driving around. And he says, oh, by the way, he said, I forgot to ask. He said, do you have your light rigid licence? I said, yeah, I do. I said, why? He goes, because you're driving that truck. It was the exact same truck <laughs> that I used to drive for church. And so I drove for them that week. And then after that, basically, whenever anyone was sick and if I was around, I would just go fill in for them. And for the next few years, that little bit of money I got from that funded all my international and overseas travel. Amen. And, I, and also, too, all the experience I had doing it at church meant that, you know, when I was doing it later on, there's some hard places to go and do that, but because I had the experience, I was actually able to do it. And for a whole season of my life, I thought I was doing something that was a total waste of time, had nothing to do with my future, and later on I realised that God can work all things together for good, even some of those meaningless things. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but there's somebody here, you're doing something only because God told you. And it doesn't make any sense right now. But I want to encourage you that all things work together for good. Because you love God. Make no mistake as a faith person, there are times when we're obedient and we don't even know why. I love the story about the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 13. And I'll give you the Benitoko translation of this, verse, of this passage. So basically God comes to Jeremiah and he says, Jeremiah, I want you to go to the shops. Goes to the shops. He said, no, I want you to buy those undies. Put them on. Goes home. Now I want you to go to the Euphrates River. A couple of days journey. Take off the undies. Hide them behind a rock. Go home. A few months later, go back to Euphrates. Grab the undies. Then they were tattered and torn. And the Bible says, then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. It's a nation-shaking word. Did you see that? That word came 
after a bunch of small, meaningless steps of obedience. Some of the things you're going through because you love the Lord, because you're a faith person and other people don't understand, I want to encourage you that I am convinced that one day that is going to make sense. One day you're going to turn around and realise, oh, all things work together for good. For those who love God who are called according to his purpose. And the fourth thing that works together for your good is everything. Everything. All things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. We serve a purposeful God. He has a plan and purpose for everything. Jeremiah 29, 11. Behold the plans I have for you, says the Lord. So there's plans he has for us that we don't even know yet. But we can understand that everything he does is purposeful. Love the story of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul spent some seasons in prison. I could imagine that at that time he'd be wondering why is this happening and, you know, why am I going through this? But if you read some of those letters that he wrote from prison, they're actually super encouraging. Letters like Philippians and that sort of thing. But I'm a firm believer that the whole reason, why, one of the major reasons why the Lord made Paul go to prison was to get him to sit down and write. We know that he actually spent a lot of time in certain cities and he would teach from morning till night, but it doesn't tell us what he taught. But actually we know a lot of his doctrine and theology because a number of his letters he wrote while he had nothing else to do, sitting and writing in prison. And he was writing it to the people, the churches that he knew. Little would he know that 2,000 years later, we would still be preaching and being nourished from the things that he wrote in a season that probably didn't make any sense. God uses all things to work together for our good. A number of years ago, I um, became a Christian in the early 90s. And I remember in 1995, I was at my local church and uh, I was getting prayed for at the altar. And this, this phrase popped into my heart and it was Temple Gym, Temple Gym. Uh, and at the time, I was looking at going into fitness instruction and that sort of thing. I thought, Temple Gym? I was supposed to start a gym called Temple Gym. I didn't think much of it. And then afterwards, I went... For God called me to go to Bible college. Whilst I was at Bible college, uh, I was uh, where we lived. We lived on site. We lived in college dormitories. And in the basement, there was a room of the boys' dorm. We used to call it the Sons of Thunder room. Uh, and it wasn't the bathroom. It was just a prayer room where we would go and pray. And so one night I was in the Sons of Thunder room and I was praying. And, and it was just like it was just one of these divine moments where the presence of God came in and and, and really overwhelmed me. And I, I, I think I was playing for about three hours, something like that. And, and in the midst of it, uh, I just had this vision. And the vision was this. I saw, the wor- I saw palm trees and I saw the words Gold Coast. Now, I'd never lived in Queensland before and the Bible college that I was in was in Sydney and I'm originally from Melbourne. And I wrote down in my journal, God's called me to the Gold Coast. I now realise every second pastor thinks that anyway, okay? <laughs> and so I wrote that in there and then the next year got invited to become a youth pastor in North Queensland in a country town called Mackay. So we went up there and um, I saw palm trees and I thought, oh, maybe this is what God was talking about. And we were based uh, at a church called Mackay Christian Family uh, and uh, Mackay Christian College. They had a school called Mackay Christian College, uh, which uh, Jason Benville's our most famous graduate from. Uh, And so... I remember at the time uh, learning and seeing the intricacies and the complexities of church school relationship and, and all that sort of thing. And then went from there uh, down to Brisbane. And I remember I was at ACC State Conference 
in the hotel one morning, woke up, and the Holy Spirit said to me, uh, you're going to pastor Kings. Uh, now, at the time, uh, there was a church on the Sunshine Coast called Kings, uh, pastored by a very scary man by the name of Steve Penny. And uh, I thought, oh, I'm not going to go talk to him. Uh, and uh, so I just completely left it. Then it became uh, Calvary. And then uh, a few years later, a friend of mine, uh, Pastor Robin Stevenson, she came and saw me in Trish and she said, just been having a dream. I've been dreaming that you've been pastoring, guys have been pastoring a church called Kings. Uh, and I said, well, you know, like uh, I know there's a church on the Gold Coast called Kings, but didn't think much of it. And then fast forward to the end of 2017, uh, we got invited to apply uh, to become the senior pastors of a church called Kings uh, on the Gold Coast uh, and uh, has Christian schools, largest Christian school uh, in Australia. Uh, and so we moved down there and went there. We've been there ever since. And then we moved to a suburb called Varsity Lakes. I was walking around Varsity Lakes one day and noticed that there was a gym there called Temple Gym. And I can look back over the course of my entire life. And even in those moments where things didn't make sense, even in those moments when you think maybe God had forgotten you, I want to testify to you today. All things work together for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. For the Lord say, you can trust him. You can trust him when you don't understand. You can trust him when things aren't going the way that you thought. God has a way bigger picture than we realize. And if you just keep loving God, keep being obedient, you will position yourself to step into all that God has for your life. You know, he actually says here to the Romans... And we know that all things work together for good. So what is he saying? He is saying that he's talking to a persecuted people. And he is saying to them, in the midst of your surroundings, in the midst of what you're going through, we can still live with a confidence on the inside of our heart. We can still live with a hope on the inside. That's what hope is. Hope is a positive, confident expectation that God has good things for you. And it's not based on our circumstances, it's actually based on God's character. Which means we can go through some tough things and still not lose hope. And so my prayer for everybody here at Moray Field and at Warner and at Redcliffe is this. That you will step into 2024 with that confident expectation. That you would know that you know that you know. Regardless of how 2023 worked out regardless of some of the challenges you're facing right now, that in spite of that, that you would know that all things work together for good because you love God according to his purpose. Some of you here today might be saying, Ben, I'd love to know. I just don't know. News I got this week, thing that happened to me last year that I'm recovering from, that hope that got dashed, I know I'm supposed to know, but I don't really know. Well, I want to pray for you and pray that God will fill you in spite of your circumstances. He will fill you with the hope that you need to live the confident life that God has for you. Amen? And so if that is you today, you're saying, I don't know, then in just a few moments we're going to pray for you. But before we do that, you know, I said to you before, the only caveat on this verse is that you've got to love God. It doesn't say all things work together for good automatically for everyone. It doesn't say that. It says all things work together for good 
for those who love God. And maybe you're here and maybe you're at Warner and maybe you're at Redcliffe and you've come to church today and it's like a new year, like a new year resolution type thing. You've come to church today but you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The awesome thing is this, he has done everything to make the way available for us to have a relationship with him. The whole reason why he came and died on the cross was that he could make the way for us to have a relationship with him. And all you have to do and I have to do is respond to that by acknowledging him and inviting him into our lives. You know, many years ago, uh, the church I was at in Mackay, we went to the local shopping centre, we had Christmas carols in the forecourt, and we were, giving out, uh, we were giving out chocolates to people as they went by. Nice chocolates, man. Like, we're giving out lint chocolates and everything. And you didn't have to give your details, nothing. It just had a little card on it and said, we just want to bless you, Merry Christmas from Mackay Christian Family. That was it. And people come past and we give it to them. And they'd say, what's the catch? And you say, no catch. We just want to give it to you. And they said, okay. But the amount of people that we saw put it down on the seat further on. There's no catch. It was lint chocolate. It was nice. And they had it, and it was available. It had been bought for them, and they didn't do the one thing that they needed, was simply receive and accept. It's the same thing with salvation. He has done everything and made the way. All we need to do is receive and accept and acknowledge, give our lives to him. And so maybe right now there's people here in Morayfield, there's people at Warner, there's people at Redcliffe, people online, who today want to make that decision to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of their life. And if that is you, we want to pray for you. So right now in every location and here in Morayfield, I want to invite you to just close your eyes just for a moment. And if you're here or at Warner or at, or at Redcliffe and you're saying today, second week of January 2024, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to accept the free gift of salvation that's made available in him. If that is you right where you are, in every location, slip up your hand and say, that's me. That today, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to have a relationship with God. I want to give my life to him. If that is you right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me today. Thank you. I see that hand there. Is there anyone else today, even in Morayfield, and even at Warner and Redcliffe right now, if that is you, just slip up your hand and say, that's me today. All I want, I want to accept the free gift of salvation that's available in Jesus Christ. What we want to do now is this. We're going to say a prayer. And in this prayer, it's a prayer of acceptance. It's a prayer of starting your, uh, starting your relationship with God. And so I'm going to invite those people to put their hands up to pray. But also I'm going to invite everybody in each location to pray alongside them as well. Pray this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Forgive me for being a sinner. I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord, be my Saviour, be my best friend. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. And I thank you that today I'm joining your family. Awesome. Praise God. Let's give those people a round of applause. So good.